0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my next guest, Dan Abel, uh, one of um, a few swimmers and coaches I I admire and uh, look forward to catching up with on occasion. It's not often uh, we do this, but uh, I'd like to chat to him in the next 30 minutes or so, find out a little bit more about his background. Like me, he went off to the US and and did some swimming, so we share uh, a lot of interest, a lot of history so um this is going to be exciting i've been wanting to chat to him for quite some time dan welcome to the podcast you're good
1: Dan, yeah thanks it's great to be here thanks for having me
0: wonderful so let's go back to uh your early career um let's start when when did you learn how did you learn to swim was there a particular influence a parent um something happened
1: sure it wasn't Definitely with my parents, I, my love of swimming got them into swimming, particularly my father. My mother tells me a story of when I was about two years old at our local swimming pool, which was the old 1974 Commonwealth Games swimming pool, and evidently they took my eyes off me for a second, I jumped into the diving well, before the lifeguard could come over I came up and I was smiling, and mum says that's when she figured out I quite like the water.
0: Fantastic. And, and then the the usual procedure, swimming clubs and competitions, or was there...
1: Kids swim lessons uh, in my hometown of Kaipui, which I've just moved back to. It was an outdoor pool, so naturally heated, as I like to say. As a <laughs> five-year-old with the float, doing my arm strokes, learning my kick, I think. Uh, I remember a uh, snell hopped, I think, was one of the lesson teachers. But obviously, I enjoyed it, took to it, and developed it there and I do recall this will be a profound statement as a youngster, not particularly enjoying the cooler water to start with.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, some some of us take to that stuff, some of us don't. I, I'm not a particularly fond of that. We we had twenty twenty two degrees at the lake this morning, which was very pleasant. Oh. And <laughs> I Well I
1: think it's um I think it's an important point because now, you know, as a child, I recall going through experience, but now with my coaching and um, mentoring head on for those going into open water, I think it was because I was standing in there receiving instruction with lots of standing round. Where, of course, at any stage, kids or adults, if it was open water, if it, at those temperatures, you need to be moving, and probably uh, it's not as suited to, to teaching a five year old to swim. The risk is that maybe put me off for a little bit longer and I had to rediscover the joy of what natural water temperatures
0: does for us. And and but before that you, you, you had a, a, a racing career with the New Zealand Swim Club?
1: Yeah, I did. So uh, what I found is that I, I quite like training and uh, the discipline and was a high energy child. So I think it's it wonders for me, not least keeping me out of trouble with um, <laughs> high energy output and probably keeping my parents sane, but I really enjoyed swimming the laps, so all the way throughout high school, and as a teenage, uh, teenager, I enjoyed my competitive swimming with a club here in Kaipo, and then moved into Christchurch swam under a coach called Brett Naylor, who's a four-time Olympic coach, I think swam for New Zealand at 76 Olympics, and interestingly, Dan, Swam at the University of Iowa, which is also ah. my elevator. So I followed in his footsteps. So there's quite a bit of history
0: there for me. That's interesting because that was going to be that was going to be a later question. Actually, we'll we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, so um, so you went through the sort of the fairly standard channels. Um, a particular favorite stroke, distance you raced in those days. If
1: you if you pin me down to a 200 would be a distance but uh I, I won age group titles in the fifty and uh in the sprints. Um I also won titles in the four hundred and I swam distance at college as well. Uh I've done all the strokes. Probably a weakness witness of mine, uh jack of all trades, master of none.
0: <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The the you know the, the lure of the lap. It's not for everyone, is it? I, I quite enjoyed training and i was probably a better trainer than racer I, I, it's interesting i spoke to uh, a psychologist on this podcast and we delved in a little bit that you know what may have held me back but you know training and that repetition and that black line it really you know either it appeals or, or it deters it, it's not an easy choice is it
1: <laughs> no uh, yeah I, uh, I distinctly clearly remember it's a 12 13 year old a number of swimmers more talented than me, certainly at that stage, and the only thing I can recollect back then is I I certainly know I had no problem doing the work and no problem pushing myself, and the more I did that, the more I started to surpass um, those couple of guys who certainly had the talent at the start but didn't do the training.
0: Amazing, amazing. And then... What, what sort of year was it that you headed to the USA? You've mentioned how you came to choose Iowa. I'm, I'm guessing that was the logical link. What, what year was that?
1: Oh, that would have been 95 was when the contact communication came around. Are you interested? And in good old Kiwi fashion, I, I'd always had it in the back of my mind. I had started University of New Zealand. Uh, and I had thought maybe it was just a pipe and maybe let go of it a little bit, and then one day Brett wandered over and said, "I was talking to my old coach in Iowa. Does anyone want to go over there <laughs> and uh two of us put our hands up and
0: said well, let's have a look at our times and see how they compare and if they're interested in you and uh did and, you uh, did did you shows even they were. And, Did you even know where Iowa was?
1: No, and <laughs> uh, you know, and Claire, I, I think probably the same for you back then. Dan, Now there's a far more, and uh, you know, America University, you know, fantastic opportunity, all support. It's an amazing environment, unique environment. Uh, back then, though, no formal recruitment avenue to get in. It used to be just who you know, yeah. if yeah. there was a contact that came up, and that's what you know occurred for me.
0: I mean I I didn't know where Ohio was when I landed. I mean I was just excited to go somewhere and you know I took off and uh it was interesting because you got these pockets didn't you and there was a there was a, either somebody had just found their way there. I remember um in Florida there were a couple of colleges there were a bunch of Brits there. But where we were in Ohio um up at Ohio uh, the Kentucky uh, Ohio State and Ohio University. We did a try meet, and there were about eight Brits on pool deck. It was like just being back at, at the nationals. It was quite comical, really. <laughs> but but you know, once somebody arrived, and then there was a, a link back home, it, it it just really helped. I mean, now it's very different, and coaches come over and recruit, and I, I believe I, I think that's all kind of legal and above board. But it's very different now. Um, so oh, Iowa, and were you there three, four years?
1: Four years. Four years. Yeah beautiful years, and uh, tight network, still in touch with those guys, as I'm sure you are, and I, I'm agreeing with your comments, Dan, I remember you go to this one university and they'd have a lot of Romanians on their swim team, this lot would be here with the <laughs> Polish swimmers, so it was very much a network back there, we had a, a bit of a Polish, Kiwi and Aussie connection <laughs> at our university. Ah,
0: uh, okay, okay. Uh, d- I'm just going to go on a limb. Was that uh, Arta, Arta Wodat, the Great Distance swimmer? Was he there originally?
1: Correct. Artur Wodat coached me.
0: No. My... Oh. Wow. I'm I'm impressed with my own geekiness right there.
1: <laughs> that is very, very good, yeah. Uh, Artur Wodat and Rafael Zucala. He oh. was uh, a very good butterfly, world champion butterfly. Ata, of course, world record holder, 400-meter freestyle, and a medalist in that event at the... Well, I want to say 88 Olympics.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so you went back to New Zealand once you graduated? Did you travel? I mean, I've, I've had a quick look, and, and you then joined the Air Force. Was that an immediate thing? Was that a career choice?
1: Uh, my dad sent over a documentary of Air Force pilots under training when I was at university, and I was doing a Bachelor of Management and Recreation, and I decided I wanted to join the Air Force. So as you'll be aware, at university, it's a three-year degree crammed in four uh, with your elective classes. So all my electives, I took up the sciences. So I ended up doing a Bachelor of Science uh, with a focus on getting into the Air Force. And when I came back, I applied. It took about a year to get in. Uh, and in those days, there was an age cutoff. So if you wanted to join the Air Force, you had to do it earlier. And it's always something that I've been inspired to do. So while I waited, I did my private pilot's license, got some flying going. Uh, we were a very small air force, so I didn't get uh, a pilot invite. I got one as a navigator, so I had to weigh it up. And what I saw of the organization really impressed me. And, uh, and the rest of 10 years of air force history.
0: And, and obviously that um, kind of, didn't really allow you to continue competitive swimming, or, or did you start masters at this point? Or?
1: Well, I've never really stopped at, maybe no. like yourself, uh, I trained throughout, even on my basic training, the good thing about the military is they are passionate about fitness, and the good of thing course. about military bases is just about every single one has a swimming pool. And some of those swimming pools are pretty good. So I was always able to get in and do the laps. And as we discussed, you and I are both fine at doing the work. So even without a group, I would get in and and get some training done. So I've never really stopped. The military didn't interrupt it. I either got some mates involved there or casually helped them out with their swimming. Uh, with aircrew training, there are swim tests that you have to do. So we're, I was still managed. To be around water. You know us from a dam. We'll always
0: find a way. <laughs> that's a, a, a lovely story. You know, just a real noble pursuit. You know, the Air Force. that That's fantastic. But it, it's just woven nice. When, when did Open Water start for you? Uh,
1: it, you know what? It, it always was.
0: It was there. Okay.
1: Uh, I just never, never labeled it. And I, so I'm just in the last year, moved back to my hometown, and I've enjoyed biking and walking around in my hometown, and I think back to, and I'm probably 8, 9, 10, but certainly 11, 12, Dan, there are local rivers here, and I remember swimming in them then, but usually, i will be swimming across the river to build a hut, or climb a tree, <laughs> to take a shortcut, That's great. After swimming at the local pool, the swim training, we go down to the local swim bridge and jump off it. I never thought of it as open water swimming. I just thought of it as a hell of a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah, of course, of course. I I mean, you know, you've just summed it up, haven't you? And that's what open water is. You know, it's. I mean, the after the clinical dedication of lap after lap, this is now, you know, an, an A to B journey. In, in a river, open water, across a lake, something. That's lovely. But did, did triathlon figure at all, or was it just pure open water swimming?
1: I, I Brett Naylor would always introduce some open water to us, and we did some beach stuff through the waves. On a training camp, he'd always try and take us to a beach. I remember a crazy training camp down south where he put us in the Clyde River, <laughs> and we all swam down it. Um, Sands wetsuit, of course, and I think Clyde is about 12 degrees and we uh, of us teenagers with body um, fat percentages about six. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was an interesting experience. But as far as triathlon, I did, in my off-season, I used to do a lot of running. Um, I did a little bit of competition at school for 800 metres. I remember just doing it casually, you know, the barefoot runner. Um, and when I finished college... I'm pretty sure I'm trying to get the right window and in between the Air Force while doing my uh, initial private flying training. Um, I started doing some swim runs, and I started with a young lady out here called Andrea Hewitt.
0: Oh, gosh, and yes.
1: And we were both swimmers who started swimming running. Um, and she absolutely thrashed the girls' Um on her debut, I always recall that, and uh, I was in the top three there, uh, I was doing okay, and a man by the name of John Hallamans, um invited me to go to a running club, and so I went to John's running club. if you don't know John, um, for, for history buffs, he coached Erin Baker, world champion triathlon, amazing woman, and he's coached so many triathletes in those times, and he just received a... Um, one of the New Year's orders, and I'm trying Fabulous. to remember the title, Order of New Zealand merit, uh, or some such. I'm an amazing gentleman. I went to his running clinic, um, enjoyed it. He asked me to join triathlon, and I joined the Air Force.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. triathlon's loss. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> when when did London fit into all of this? So for a few, quite a few years, you were juggling lessons kind of six months uh, South London, and then returning home to New Zealand, and and we've now lost you. You've well, you've you've gone back home. But when when did you first arrive in London and decide to sort of make a dual, and you know a, a two sort of segment year with your training, and coaching?
1: Mum's English Dan.
0: Ah, okay, okay.
1: So I am a um, passport holding Brit. Uh, Mum and Dad are uh, a ten pound palms post. <laughs> Uh, World War II, they turned out out here, um, and met out here and married, but I've always had those very strong links to the UK. Uh, um, that's it, okay. I've had, i probably, you know, you have those decisive moments in your life, and one was for me, triathlon versus Air Force, and for me it was, right. Um, well, I've done 10 years, almost 15 years of being poor in swimming sport, the Air Force is going to pay me to learn to fly and, and be fit versus triathlon where I'm going to have to, and I looked at the cost back then, and I was like, I don't want to be a poor athlete anymore. <laughs> so that was a tangent. And then uh, 10 years later, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my service in the Air Force, many of the skills it taught me I use today in all aspects of my life. But the posting, moving around the instability, uh, yeah. and I had a, a couple of moves where there was quite a bit of uncertainty, and I reached a point where... Either this is going to be the rest of my life and I chase a career or I'm going to look at some other stuff. And I see I, I decided to take a holiday to think about it. And um, if you're going to think about serious things, you may as well make a serious holiday. So I went back to the States and visited my college mates. And then I went to France and I did two things. I went to the Eurocopter factory to see the first frame of a new series of helicopters being built in New Zealand. I visited that and I went skiing. And then I rocked into London and um, stumbled into a working job while I was on holiday, which was managing a health club club in London. And um, one of the first things I did, I went and got a rock climbing lesson. And the rock climbing instructor said, let's get to know each other. And I said, I'm a swimmer who wants to to rock climb. He said, I'm a rock climber. I'd love to learn to swim. And I I said, what are you training for? He said, I'm doing an English channel relay ah I was like, okay what's this and uh long story long Dan um I helped them out I really enjoyed it one of their swimmers pulled out um and they needed a swimmer so I ended up coach swimming the relay team thoroughly enjoying it and then a whole lot of people started lining up now I'd always helped people swim I'd, I'd, I'd always been coaching for a term but I'd never formalized it and um, I had this line of people asking for help, and I really enjoyed it. And right about this time, two things happened. Um, I discovered Swim Trek and went for a meeting there, and the Air Force said it's time to come back. And so, like many of us, I reached a juncture in my life, and I had a decision to make.
0: How was swim track? I, I know the Simon and the guys and some of our coaches have been off on those trips. It looks a lot of fun, but again, that's probably you know there's a lot of hard work in the background making it look fun. Probably for the guests, I'm sure it's 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 great, but for you guys as the guides, a lot of stress. That was that was a good time.
1: Yeah, I mean Simon Murray, I can't say enough about him, and I'm gonna probably plant a seed that you'll go on here about Dan as well, that I recognize in our conversations, he, as far as I'm aware, it you know, really initiated this concept of the swim holiday, and grew it with the swim trip company, and I really feel for those guys right now in our current times, um, and he was always willing to share information, and uh, with me, I enjoyed the holidays, yes, definitely hard work, but it, it taught me a lot as well in that. You know, swimming doesn't just have to be competitive. Yeah, of course. Yes, you work hard as a guide running these holidays, but I think because people are there longer than just an event, it's not just to turn up and leave. They meet other people. They socialise. And I felt that the rewards there were really important. And that planted the seed for me And that a lot of people would turn up for these swim holidays and they weren't ready for the swim holidays, and that's been the first part, getting ready. And I thought to myself, well, there's got to be a better way to add value. Why don't we, you know, focus on preparing people for open water swimming better so that when they turn up for the holiday, they're fully placed to take advantage of it. Looking for a location, that's where I came up with uh, the Turning Big Lido and the South London Swim Club. Puts the idea to sign at Swim treat they had the rights to coach there. And again, that's just another step in the history of my life, how that program came around. Simon said, "Mm, people won't really, you know, it's not a consistent custom there because it is cooler water. And I said, well, if we're going to do it, I have to be there all the time, Uh, you know, in the summer months. So in the first couple of seasons, rain, hail or shine, the poolside, some seasons that pool doesn't get above 20 degrees. (laughs) And this has taught me a lot. I have taught non-wetsuit swimmers, you would say, you know, skinny, sh- short, tall, every s- shape and size in that sub twenty to learn to swim. And sure, you wouldn't say it's comfort. It's not like relaxing in a spa pool, but it's manageable. And I usually, it's not just about the instruction. I distract them with my narrative <laughs> and intent in my training when it's at temperature. But it's that concept of you having fun. You don't mm. notice. Just think about. When kids are playing around cooler water, they'll keep playing until they turn blue and you have to tell them to stop and put clothes on and get warm. If, a, if an adult's engaged in the lesson, they can do the lesson safely and they can enjoy it while getting cold. And what I found was if you learn to swim in that environment, you can then immediately take those swim skills and apply them anywhere in the open water. In contrast, for example, to learning your swim skills in 30 degree water, then when you go to put it in 15 degree water, a lot of the times it comes undone because you've got a new challenge to overcome.
0: Very, very logical. I I liken that to, uh, actually, I was speaking to someone this morning, he was at the lake, he was asking me about, you know, pool training, and and he's like, you know, lap after lap. I said, well, you know, we've done the dull swimming, we know what it's like, and, you know, when you speak to a, a, you know, a, present modern day coach. One of the things they want to do is just avoid how dull it was back in the in the day. And one of the biggest compliments I think is, you know, somebody, oh, that's it. That's 90 minutes. We're done. Like, you know, you've, you've entertained them. You've challenged them. There's been a good amount of camaraderie in the lane and 4k as whatever it what might be has flown by 90 minutes and, and they're done. And, and they're like, oh, you know, that was it and, and I, I take that as a as a you know that's 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 why i'd like people to leave you know having had you know they can choose what they do with their free time it's not like you know when we were kids and you know some days you didn't really want to be training but but you know these are adults they pick and choose what they do with their leisure time and and their money uh, and you you'd like that they come back and and spend that time and money with you of course but they actually really enjoy themselves yeah that's that's so important now isn't it
1: it's a privilege, isn't it, Dan? And and it's true. It's uh, for me. Sure, they're getting their health and wellness and fitness, but it's all those things associated with it. Where we can provide it not just a benefit from the swimming, but switch off from daily life. They can come and get lost yeah. for a, a while in their swim. If you can provide that, I think it's um, it's pretty special.
0: I mean, now now there are labels being applied, but but you know before. It was fashionable before it had to have a certain category you know we we were providing that outlet that that little bit of a break from you know the the daily routine of of work or family and stresses, and they're coming and letting off some steam you know now it's it's mental health well being and or whatever call it what you will, but it's always been there, hasn't it? something very magical about swimming
1: well, something very interesting my last summer. In London last season, had our client, I won't mention her name, but she'd just, um, a mum, kids grown up, she'd gone back to school and she was doing her psychology thesis in banter. As soon as she said that, I was like, what's banter? (laughs) Um, And then she talked about it a little bit more and um, she, you know, she said, first I was going to do it in group sport because team sports, because that's when I, you know, that's where I thought it was important. But I can't remember how she stumbled. I think it was rowing to start with. And, you know, again, long story long, what she found was the, that she, she quantified the benefits, health and wellness, um, the ability to help your training, of socialization in sport. And what she found was actually in the individual sports was where banter... Was stronger, more prevalent. And this started a discussion at the pool where uh, swimmers latched onto that and they go, actually, why do I swim? One, because I love swimming, but also, this is where I meet people. And contrary to what non swimmers probably think, it's not just head down, and you will know this, Dan, because I think we fall in the same category about being partial to a little bit of banter ourselves. <laughs> the joy of having a diverse mix of personalities poolside and the conversation and comments that come out, that is actually a really important part of the package. And you talked about formalizing. I guess now we recognize it. So with every swim activity we do, we are consciously want to encourage the ability to have adult, and when I say adult, sometimes it's kind of childish, conversation. That's an important part of the swim, and it's something that I, when I think back even to my competitive career, you know when you're doing a really hard set, then you come and you've got seven seconds rest, and for four of those seconds, you'll start a conversation, and then you'll come in two minutes later and continue, Continue. and a a two-minute little repertoire you can spread over 35 minutes.
0: (laughs) That that's oh so familiar, yeah, yeah. Catch it, you know. You'd be discussing the previous evenings, whatever the TV show might have been, and yeah, it, it'll take, you know, across ten by four hundred meters or whatever it was. You'll you'll get those little snippets in between each block. That's very familiar. You um, yeah. a couple, talking of long swims, uh, you swam thirty four kilometers around the Rock Cook Islands a few years ago.
1: I did. How yeah. how was
0: yeah, that? Was a that's time. a that's a long way.
1: Yeah, well, um, my training swim for it, done a month before, or
0: six weeks before, was the English Channel. So you're in
1: good shape. It was a good little combo, and of course, English Channel, when I swam it, it was quite a warm early summer there, I think, summer of 2017. So I swam the English Channel in 17 degrees, and I turned up in the Cook Islands, and uh, English swimmers will get a laugh at this, because it was September, so very early spring. And the locals were very concerned about me being able to handle the cooler water temperatures because it was only, the water was only 23 degrees. <laughs> it hadn't heated up yet. So uh, I had to have a wee conversation convince them that I was going to be comfortable in those water temperatures <laughs> without a wetsuit. <laughs> oh,
0: my goodness. And, and how long did it take you? Uh, t-
1: uh, 11 hours. I want to say 11 hours, 15, Gosh. I think, off the top of my head. Both English Channel and... Uh, the round Rarotonga, the Cook Islands swim, were comparable over 11 hours, uh, but completely different uh, swims, completely different battles. The, the heat for me, oh, yeah. um, we had blue skies, so you have sunshine, and you imagine that clear water. Um, we put sunscreen on pretty good, but just any little bit that we missed in my body got absolutely fried. Um, so... Yeah, completely different swims. But good challenges, good challenges there.
0: Any other big swims in the, in the pipeline on the horizon?
1: Uh, and it, it's usually the first question people ask you afterwards. For me, I think um, I like swimming. And I'm not a, that's a marathon swim. I've done a marathon swim. Let's go on and do the next big swim. For me, it's about mixing it up and keeping yeah. it interesting Uh, you know, it's not just my job, Uh, it it is my job, but it's my career, it's my passion, I do it, I talk about it, I encourage others to do it, and I tie all those in as challenges, so I could have a personal goal swimming around Rarotonga, and then my next goal might be a a business goal, and one of the big things right now is we had to make a call, um, I was going six months, six months, you know, following the sun, which has been fantastic. But it got to the point where I, I can't give any more attention to either one, right? Um, because there's no more time. And you, you know, it, it's one of those things. And you hear people say, "It sounds wonderful in the summer." Don't get me wrong; it is wonderful. But then, you know, there's endless instability. Every six months, I'm packing up my entire life, and saying goodbye to close personal friends and hopping over to the other side of the world. Been squeezing in massive um, marathon swims and, and training added to the challenge. Now, change the circumstance in my life as well. Um, I'm engaged now to be married. Uh, we've bought a house. So what side of the world are we going to do that? So sadly, that meant saying goodbye to my London swimmers, friends, and family. But, you know, for me, just like us, Dan, I, I think I've been around there long enough... Um, you've got these connections through swimming and what I look forward to is in the future catching up with those. Um,
0: And it is a strong, devoted, dedicated community, isn't it? I mean, some really good friendships. I mean, from I'm still in touch with uh, some of the guys on the swim team back, you know, school before the move to the US. Swimming, it's it's nice. You know, it kind of, it's a tough sport. And it kind of does a natural, is a bit of a natural selection. You know, you, you get very nice people doing it. You know, it there's, there's not. I haven't, you know, we do training camps time and again, and you think that was a nice bunch of people. They they were good fun to be around. It's it's a lot of dedication and, you know, diligence with the training. And you don't find too many unpleasant people. Is that what you found?
1: I'd agree. It's where we're an intrinsically motivated sport, right? No one really forces you to go do it. So everyone that... It, it turns up, has found that inner desire motivation. And usually they, you know, if, if they hadn't unlocked that before, uh, once they do, they start transferring those skills into other aspects of their life. And and I just find that people who've started to do that just become nice people if they weren't already before, you know. Um, and it just, it, it's rich and rewarding, which is obviously why we, we continue to be involved in it, right?
0: Absolutely. Any um, swimming, uh, any swimmers, any coaches in particular, heroes of yours growing up you'd like to mention?
1: Well, I talked about Brett Naylor, a big influence of mine. Um, Artur Voidat, of course, at uh, at school. And there was another um, lady way back in the day, and this, I don't know about you, but I was about 30-odd when I said to mum, oh, Mum, you used to drive me to swimming pool at 4.30am right through my teenage years. Thank you very much for doing that, Mum. Yeah. You know, that's 15 years on before I verbalised that to my mother. Aww. Um There's another lady, Doris Ward, uh, when I was 11 and 12, and she was a hard taskmaster, and... Um, at the kaipoi pool and the outdoor pool and extended me and at the time like I said I didn't like it as the distances got longer and I got colder in the pool Um, I did struggle a little bit but set the foundations of focus and discipline that I used to succeed in my swimming and later life so I guess they are some key influences but there's lots of other ones around in the world I um, really admired Kerri-Ann Payne's journey and I love that she's stayed with, with the sport Um, and continues to promote it. I think she's been very, I don't know her personally. Um, There was a small Kiwi connection here, though, where she was involved with a guy called Lars Humer who was involved in her coaching for a time. Now, Lars is back here coaching in Otago. Lars had an influence on me in earlier life, and Lars just won New Zealand Coach of the Year because he's coaching a young lady called Erica Fairweather, And if you don't know who she is, she's worth Googling. Very good 400 freestyle, 200 freestyle um, swimmer. Uh, Who knows? Maybe we can encourage you to go into the open water one day. (laughs) Um, But, of course, open water being the poor swimmer's sport, it's often hard to get possible um, Olympic aspirants at that distance to move over because I think poor swimmers get a bit more support.
0: Maybe controversial to say that. But, um, I <laughs> no, think, I think it's true. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I think it's, it 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 sadly is a little bit the the poor relation at the moment. Although I'm I'm irritated that I think that it would have been the 10k would have been my event back in the day. I, I'm a little bit irritated that it didn't come to prominence until 2008. Um, I think it could have been, you know, as you said, I I was a, a a jack of all trades and master of none. I had a reasonable turn of speed and a good diesel engine. I I, I was you know not a bad 1500 not a bad hundred and mix them together mm-hmm. i think i could have you know and i enjoyed open water but it just wasn't around but yeah let's um
1: as i said something um, can i pick up on something you mentioned earlier then you said um about you
0: were a very good trainer but you you don't feel that you converted it into your racing correct possibly yeah i left some pretty good performances yeah. in the in the training pool definitely yeah
1: same, and I used to get. We used to have. Excuse this is a little bit crass, but uh, back in the day, we used to have the biggest coconuts award um, at our training camp in Florida, and I would get that all the time. And I would struggle at the higher level. Now, as a, I never s- stopped to reflect on it, and as a, it wasn't until I started coaching and thinking about my swimmers that I looked back on myself because I think they are one of the best lessons. Um, a coach can take is look at their personal experience, and uh, looking back for me, what I found now is, um, and I, this it was the same for the air force. I have quite a anxious persona, and from a sporting psychology perspective, um, we have something called the arousal curve, which is. You, you know, in, in physiological terms, getting ourselves ready for performance. Now, what I've found on reflection is, I'm when, when there's an event there, I'm ready to go. I don't need to psych up. But what what most people do, what most people think about, what you see is, quite often people getting ready for sport. Um, they will put on, you know, Eye of the Tiger. They will try and get <laughs> themselves um, jacked up. And what I found on reflection quite often was um, some other coaches I haven't mentioned didn't take the time to get to know me as a person right. and the the philosophy for everyone was to get ready and get psyched up and we spent a lot of time cheering and geeing each other up and I would get up for my races the big ones exhausted and um and so what I found with myself now you'll see it in a uh, a good example is there's a YouTube of me doing the English channel, um, but you'll see it if you ever line up with me for race. I'm usually talking and bantering <laughs> and just being nonsensical And some people go, you're, you're, you're too casual, it's relaxing. But what I found was I'm actually really I'm on top of my arousal curve and I need to uh, stabilize. And that was never identified as a competitive all So swimmer. all the... All um, the... Um, I'd just like to point out it's not. I've done all my preparation. Everything's in line. I've got my timeline. I know what I'm doing. So when I'm at that point, then I try to bring myself down the curve. It's no music. It's actually banter and distraction. So I take two things from there. I I think I understand more about where my performances went wrong. But now I try and take that to my clients. I want to understand what type of person you are. And one thing I like about us, Dan, is... We treat individuals as individuals. Just because it worked for someone else, stroke, psychological approach, it doesn't mean it works for you. So let's find out what makes you tick and let's put your magic recipe together. That's something that I've learned from myself from my swimming career and I try and apply to my coaching career.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Very wise words. Very wise words. Dan, it's been a pleasure. Um, time is about up. It's been a lovely trip down Memory Lane to, to talk about how you came to swimming and so on. I'm going to post this. I'm going to put some links on people. If they're in the New Zealand area, they can come to you for a fitness swimming, for a guided open water swims. What else are you offering at the moment?
1: Well, at the moment, that's an open question, isn't oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> we're lucky enough. Uh, we have our own in endless flume pool, 12 meter flume pool, and that's where we are teaching adult swimming. And at the moment, we're lucky enough it's winter here, we can help our endurance athletes uh, get ready to swim in there. We're also doing night swimming in there, where we turn off the lights, give a different experience, help people get confident and, and capable and have some fun. So we're doing that, and yeah, hopefully Dan getting ready for a summer season where we can do something, but uh, trying time for us all. So we're just yeah. trying to support each other, deliver the swimming that we can, and, um, and keep in touch with our global swimming community like yourself so i really appreciate you having me along for a chat it's been great to catch up with you today.
0: it's been a pleasure thanks ever so much for the the wise words and um best of luck in the future please keep in touch thank you dan abel
1: cheers dan